Well, you're there, Matthew chapter 2. You there? And verse 1, and says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the nations of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And Father, we thank you for the word of God and uh, that you have given us such a great gift in it. And Lord, help us to learn. Speak to us today. I pray that every heart would be encouraged, and every person's faith, Lord, would either come alive or be strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we're going to continue on uh, in a series of messages leading up to Christmas. It's called A Christmas Journey. And it was just here, what we just read was just after Christ's birth, uh, when the company of wise men came from a long way off from the east, and they all of a sudden showed up in Jerusalem, the capital of, of Israel, the capital of Judah, the southern part of Israel, and uh, they showed up at Herod's doorstep. And this is none other, this Herod is none other than Herod the Great. You probably read about him in the history books and things like that, but this is Herod the Great. And they were kind of like, he and his family were kind of like the modern day mafia. And he was the worst scoundrel of the bunch. And so it's, it's before him that the wise men just show up, and they show up into his house or in his court, and they're boldly proclaimed, where is he? Where's the one who's, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We, 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 we've seen a star in the east, and we've come here to worship him. Now, how have you know that just such a character as Herod was just all thrilled to hear such news and just excited to, to hear that, right? Not at all. Um, wondering what in the world's going on. In fact, the Bible says that he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, right? And, uh, you know, so they go through all of this, and, and you know, we're may- it's really amazing the wise men's faith, the fact that they had traveled so far and gone through such links to put together whatever's necessary to make such a long journey, that they were carrying gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and carrying uh, these treasures with them, put them at greater risk, right, of uh, being attacked or robbed or what have you, and, um, and to show up at Herod's court, and uh, they were of, an, of a country, that really opposing force to Herod, and to show up in court and uh, at his doorstep and just begin to proclaim those things, just give evidence of the amount of faith they had in what they had seen and what it stood for. Amen? And I pray that you have even more faith than that, right, in in your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I know, that I know, that I know Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Savior of the world. Amen? And I pray that you know that. If not, that you will by the end of this message. But King Herod was disturbed, and he called a meeting of his own advisors, of his own wise men. He called them together. It was the chief, some of the 
high priest, the chief priest rather, and some of the, the, those that study religious law. He calls them together and says, hey guys, what's going on here? He says, uh, I want to know, where's, where's this Messiah? Because this was a widely known fact. It was widely circulated that the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah, were expecting a deliverer, right? And uh, they, so he wanted to know, so where, where exactly is he going to be born? And with hardly any effort at all, probably they, they could remember from reading in this scroll, and, uh, and, and they had referred back to the prophet, particularly the prophet Micah. It's in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. That's what's quoted here in the New Testament, right? And, uh, and they, they quoted that to him. And, um, and so he had demanded the answer, and without any effort, they were able to give him the answer. And they said, uh, they referenced the prophet Micah and said, The prophet recorded that the ruler, the Messiah, would come from the land of Judah in a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, means house of bread. Um, so they, they quoted this. They, they turned to the sacred scrolls, and uh, they revealed this. And upon receiving the answer, King Herod uh, calls a private meeting with the wise men, not wanting this to get out, trying to keep it secret, no doubt, and calls a, a, a private meeting with them and uh, calls them together says, Look, you guys need to go and, and search for, for this person you're looking for. Go look for him in Bethlehem. And by the way, when you find him, just come back and let me know. How many of you know that uh, that wasn't quite the truth, right? And, uh, and so, anyway, there's more to the story and, and about that. But let me, just, let me just pick up right here at this point and how that the, the wise men left from that point to go out and to search for the Messiah. And, and Bethlehem, by the way, was only about five, five and a half miles away. It wasn't some huge distance. Um, so they went to Bethlehem to look for him. But it's interesting that the wise men, the Jewish leaders, the ones who've been waiting for the Messiah for so many hundreds and thousands of years, didn't even make the effort themselves to go see him. We're talking about five, five and a half miles. It's about like from here to the, to the light on 51 in Brighton. That's about how far that was, all right? Now you're walking. It's a good walk, but uh, in those days, really nothing to it, right? But they didn't even make that effort. Interesting, though, that the Gentile wise men from the east made the effort, and they found Jesus, amen? And I pray that you're making the effort to find God as God reveals enough to you to seek him, and he really already has, and I pray that everybody comes to know the Lord, amen? That would make it the greatest Christmas ever, right? And so, you know, but what good is Scripture? Listen, what good is Scripture if we're not going to act on it? It's all given to us so that we can act on it, so we can live on it. You know, a lot of professing Christians, professing faith in Jesus Christ and can quote Scripture and say, I've been to Sunday school, but yet then go out and not live according to the, to the Scripture, right? And how many know that's one of the key evidences that we're truly saved? It's not that we believe in Jesus. That's not, a, that's not the true evidence. The evidence is, is in the fact that God's moving in us and we're living a totally different life, guided by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so, anyway, um, so we're going, as we're diving farther into this a Christmas journey thus far, um, we've seen that the wise men found Jesus in the starry skies, and now we're going to see where the, the, the religious leaders, the Jewish 
in the sacred scrolls. Well, I tell you what, neither one of these mics are one to cooperate today. So, Pastor Chase, I might move to mic number three, all right? Um, and if that doesn't work, I'll just uh, go old school, right? And we'll just shout it out. But uh, anyway, um, as we're looking here, we're looking, I want to talk to you about, about prophecy. Because that's what we're talking about. As they looked into the scrolls, they were looking up a prophecy that was given by the prophet Micah. And, and there's a, there's a, to clarify a couple things about prophecy, to prophesy is merely to proclaim a message from God. It can be a word of instruction. It can be a word of encouragement, of exaltation, or it can be a word predicting some future event. There's really, really two basic types of prophecy uh, that we have and that we see it in Scripture over and over and over again. And uh, one of those is forthtelling, say forthtelling. And the other one is similar, it's foretelling. Say foretelling. All right? Sounds really close, right? Forthtelling, F-O-R-T-H, and foretelling, F-O-R-E, right? Forthtelling and foretelling. Now, forthtelling, that prophecy brings things like encouragement and comfort, and, and perhaps you're going through a tough situation, and, and there's a, a prophecy, and you, many scriptures uh, reveal to this, reveal examples of this. Somebody or some country was going through a tough thing, or Israel was going through a tough time, and they're looking at it through, through natural eyes, but a prophet comes forth and reveals heaven's perspective. That's, forth, that's, that's foretelling, right? Or foretelling. That's foretelling, is, is giving God's perspective, heaven's perspective on what's going on. And it brings encouragement and saying, you know what, I know you're seeing it this way. I know you feel like this is going on or that's happening, but let me give you the whole picture. This is what's really happening, right? And so that's foretelling. That's one type. Paul sent Timothy to the church in Thessalonica with a similar type message. And he says, the scripture says that when we sent him, when we sent Timothy, we sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. Amen? How many of you have been lifted by the Word of God, by things that God has said, by things God has revealed in times that was tough for you, and you thought it was one way, but God gave you a clear perspective from heaven, and, it, and even though things didn't change, it changed for you because you saw what was really going on, right? Okay, so that's forthtelling. And then the other Part of prophecy, side of prophecy, which we're referring to today is foretelling. When we're giving insights to things that are not yet seen, they've not yet occurred, they're not even in the foreseeable future. You know, somebody can look and say, you know, I, I predict that... Uh, I predict we're going to have rain tomorrow. Well, that's, that's, that's one kind. Okay, all right. You know, you probably have a 50% chance of guessing on that one, right? Um, so how many of you ever wondered, like, if I could do anything, I think I could be a weatherman. I hope there's no weatherman in here. It would be offensive. But, you know, it's like, I think I could get that right, you know. I could take about how many, you know, take 10 people in the back room. How many of you think it's going to rain tomorrow? Eight of you? All right. 80% chance of rain, you know. Uh, we could do. We could figure it out. But there's some things that we might, you know, Calculate or whatever, or people predicting what the stock market's going to do based upon certain criteria and things that's going on. All right, that's stuff that man could do, but we're talking about things that are supernatural, that there's no way that anybody could possibly see or foretell what's going on. Folks, 
prophecy is such a powerful thing and incredible evidence given to us. And I pray that you'll be strengthened by it, that you can share and strengthen the faith of your kids and people that don't yet know the Lord. Amen? Thankful for prophecy is so powerful. And so that's where they're referring to the prophet Micah who says that, that the Messiah would come because there were numerous, there were other places that had the name Bethlehem, but this was Bethlehem of Judea, right? Of Judah, rather, right? And so it specified that. What an incredible, incredible blessing that God has given us, church, that He's communicated with us things and revealed things for us to know, right? About our life, about what we're going through, and about the future as well as the present. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. It's God and only God alone who can tell what's going to happen at the end, and He can tell it from the beginning. Amen? That's the God we serve. And that's why we take great comfort in the fact of of knowing God and and, and being familiar with the Word of God and the Scriptures because God reveals those things. He's told us the end from the beginning. How many of you know what the end is going to be? How many of you know how this thing's going to wrap up? If not, you're not reading your Bible because it's all there, right? It's all there. So, we have this, and may we never, may we never take this, this great gift for granted. Because of it, that you, you, can, you and I can walk in the light, and we're able to walk with clarity, and we're able to walk with confidence. Aren't you glad? So prophecies are, prophecies about Christ are kind of like, they're like a biography that's written in advance. All right? A biography that's written in advance. Today, when biographies are written about somebody, they're they're written either towards the end of somebody's life or after they're already gone, right? We're going to write a biography about somebody. People still writing biographies probably about JFK or Martin Luther King Jr. or, you know, uh, maybe Queen Elizabeth or something, right? Writing biographies. But the scriptures, the prophecies about Christ, the scrolls that wrote about Christ are like the biography that's given before it ever happens, before the person ever comes, before the person's ever born, right? That's what happened here. And let me just, just throw out an example. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular person. And as, and, 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 and as, you, as you know who that person is, I want you to lift your hand, all right, when you identify who that person is. This person, first clue, they were born in Iowa. Nobody. <laughs> when they were born, they were, they were born in Iowa, and when they were born, they weighed 13 pounds. Their father was a pharmacist. Still nothing. They grew up in Southern California. I knew he'd be the one. Attended. Southern Cal University. This person became a film star. (laughs) 
they, uh, they died in 1979 at age 72. I, 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 what are you doing? Man, you're blowing. <laughs> Man, I worked all week on that. He just blew it right there. My whole punchline. No. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, if you didn't hear it, just hang in there. But some of him, his famous quotes include, a big mouth don't make a big man. Now you're getting it. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Well, take her easy there, pilgrim, you know. <laughs> now y- y'all got it, right? Tough characters like Rooster Cogburn, Big Jake, the Duke. How many of y'all know who I'm talking about now? How you got it, right? You know, you know, you know I'm talking about Marion Mitchell, Mitchell Morrison, right? How have you realized that? Marion Mitchell Morrison. How do you know that? That was John Wayne's birth name. Yeah, it doesn't fit, does it? <laughs> and so that's why somewhere along in his life, I mean, he's getting this football scholarship, and he's this tough guy named Marion, named some girl's name. That's probably what made him tough, <laughs> right? Marion. Mitchell Morrison. So later on, he became known as as Duke Morrison. That's how he began to promote himself. And then finally, when he comes in, um, just man, they give him the stage name John Wayne, and and so all of the all of those things, right? And so all those things together, somewhere along the line. Now, what would have happened if a thousand years ago? Somebody was said, look for this person. They're going to be famous. They're going to be born in Iowa, but they're going to grow up in Southern California. They're going to attend this university. They're going to, you know, they're so on, so on, so on, so forth, right? You know anybody like that? One person. Jesus Christ. Do you see how powerful that is? You know, there's, there's, no, there's no wow factor in me today revealing Facts about John Wayne's life or whomever we want to talk about, right? Who's already lived. But the wow factor happens when we reveal things about somebody that thousands of years before they were born or hundreds of years before they were born and be able to tell details. That's what prophecy does. That's what it did. Amen? That's what we're talking about, finding Jesus in the scroll. There are some of those, well, let me, let me not get ahead of myself. I want to... I want to share a few things with you. You know, it's kind of like after the fact. I mean, talk about John Wayne today. That's 2020 vision, right? And, uh, you know, it's easy to, easy to uh, you know, hindsight, they say, is 2020 vision, right? So we're not wowed by that. But what we need is not hindsight. We need foresight. And God has given us foresight into Jesus and, and to his, uh, his life and what was going to happen. And so, you know, the Bible gives us hundreds of predictions about Christ and has provided them over hundreds and thousands of years. Let me, I'm just going to, listen, I, I can't give you references to all this. You'll have to look it up, all right? You can find it, look online, research it yourself. But are you ready? You ready? I'm going to go at it, all right? Here we go. How many know the Scripture reveals these things? That he would be born human, that he would be born of a virgin woman, that he would reconcile people to God, that he would crush evil at his own expense, that he would be a descendant of Abraham, that he would be a descendant of Abraham's son Isaac, a descendant of Isaac's son Jacob, a descendant of Jacob's son Judah, that he would be a descendant of, of Jesse, a descendant of Judah, a descendant of Jesse's son, King David, 
that he would appear after a succession of rulers from the tribe of Judah, appear after the rebuilding of Jerusalem, appear before the Roman destruction of Jerusalem. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be called Emmanuel. He would be preceded by a forerunner. This messenger would prepare the way for him. He would appear in Galilee and be a light to the Gentiles. He would perform miracles, teach parables, be humble and meek, be called the Son of God. He would enter Jerusalem while riding on a donkey. He would be rejected. He would be despised. He would be oppressed. He would be silent before his accusers. He would be mocked by people shaking their heads. He would be beaten and spat upon. He would be hated without reason. He would become a stranger to his own brothers. He would be numbered with transgressors. His hands and feet would be pierced. His suffering would include thirst. He would include. Uh, he would intercede for sinners. He would be forsaken. He would be stripped of his clothing. They would cast lots for his clothing. They would suffer the sins of others. He would suffer the sins of others. He would die. He would be buried in a wealthy man's tomb. He would not see decay. He would rise from the dead. He would bring an end to sin. He would be a banner to the Gentiles. He would be a light to people around the world. He would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. These are some of the prophecies about Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? And so giving them is like giving the biography way before the person ever lives. If you're looking for some sort of evidence about the reality of Jesus Christ and about who he is, folks, I can't give you any more tangible objective evidence than prophecy. And there is no other book in all the world that would speak such things over any other individual that's ever lived in all the world. Folks, I'm glad to know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only Savior of the world. Amen? How many of y'all believe that? How many glad to know Him? Come on, say amen. Hallelujah. So when we, when we study prophecy, Scripture, uh, specifically about Christ, it's like, it's like doing the work of an investigator. How many of you like crime shows, things like that? And they talk about, you know, forensic science and all those things, right? Good investigators focus on open-ended questions that seek the things like what, when, where, why, how, and who. In other words, what happened? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? How did it happen? Who did it? There's a former cold case homicide investigator named J. Warren Wallace, who was an atheist at one point. But after he applied his 30 years of experience as an investigator to the prophecies of the Bible and came to believe in Jesus Christ and turned to the Christian faith. He divided, he divided the prophecies into kind of two basic categories. What one, what he called like the clear evidence or the clear prophecies. In other words, those were the prophecies that point to the person of interest before he's identified. And, and let me say this, before, before he even got to that point, before he even got to that point, when he looked at the prophets, the prophets in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, when he looked at the prophets themselves, he considered them to be persons that were like informants, um, people who could give insight to that particular case. And just like those of you in law, whatever you call force witnesses or people in law enforcement, you may have informants. And, um, you know, we got Chief Turner here, we, uh, 
Daniel. You all deal with, deal with various things. You have people that inform, whatever. And the thing about it is, are they, are they reliable? And the only way you know they're reliable is if they have made, if they have provided historically, they have provided some sort of evidence in the past that gives you confidence in what they're telling you today. And so he took some of those prophets that, that prophesied about Christ who had also prophesied other historic events and were accurate on that and considered them, no, these are the, I'm going to put these at the top, all right? And so he divided them that way. And then he talked about the clear evidence or the clear prophecies. And these are the things that point to or identify a person of interest. They, they point to a person of, of interest before they're identified. In other words, things like things that have come around in the last couple decades, and that is DNA evidence. Things that's been around for quite a bit longer is fingerprints, right? How I many know oh, you got somebody's fingerprints? You can you can you can identify that person. You got somebody's DNA, you can identify that person. You know who they are before you ever show up on the doorstep. And through computers and technology all the day, you can look up on the databases and everything, and, and you can find, oh, we know who did it. We know we got their DNA. We've got their finger, but we know who did it, right? And you can find those types of things. And then there's the other kind of evidence, the cloaked evidence or the cloaked prophecies, and that points to the person of interest after he's identified. In other words, in and of itself, it doesn't, it doesn't totally make it clear who the person is but when you've already when you already have their DNA and you've got their fingerprints, right? And then you add to that maybe there is a, a button that was found on scene, or there was a hair tie that was found on scene. And then you take that, you take that button, and you and you look in their closet, and all of a sudden you find that they've got the same shirt, the same buttons, and that particular button is is missing. Okay, and so putting them all together and and forms this this clear evidence that Jesus had been talked about for hundreds and thousands of years has been identified. And, and because of that, the religious leaders are able to find Christ in prophecy. What a gift that prophecy reveals all the answers to all the questions, who, what, when, why, where, all those questions, how. I mean, you know, the Bible gives the details of all that. And we can be strengthened by that. What would Jesus do? He would crush evil. He would make known the path of life. He would conquer death. He would restore the land. He sets captives free. He brings good news of salvation. He shepherds the flock, brings a new covenant. Where? What about the where question? Well, he was born in Bethlehem. We just talked about that, right? He was called out of Egypt. He enters Jerusalem on a donkey. He, called, he was called a Nazarene. He raised in Nazareth. He dwells in the midst of his people. Why? To redeem to redeem the lost, to intercede for sinners, to make atonement for sin. And we can go on and answer the how, when, and uh, who, and all those questions. How many know the Bible answers all of those? As I said earlier, never, ever, ever has so much been foretold about any individual. And no other book has made such claims. Fellow believers, you can have confidence in Jesus Christ and who he is. Aren't you glad for that? The wise men found Jesus in the stars. The priests found him in the scrolls. As I close this morning, I, I want to 
I want us to think about those realities. And so what, what does all this say to us? What does this, what does this, what does this mean? How can we apply all of this? Well, there's a lot to apply already. But we can be confident in the identity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We've established that, right? And at the same time, we can be confident in the reliability and the infallibility of the sacred scrolls, of the scriptures, right? Because they're the ones that point to Christ and what they said actually happened and this person actually lived and actually did all the things that the Bible said would happen, right? And so they complement and point to each other. They help each other. In addition, we can be confident in God's care and concern for us. Because God has done all of this because He loves us, because He cares about us, He's concerned about us, and He wants us to know. And He's gone to such great lengths. What, what was it, you know, in, in, in this uh, particular investigator's mind, he said, could it be that the whole timing of Christ's coming, that it took all this time and thousands of years to begin to kind of light the fuse in Genesis and provide these prophecies... And in a time that nobody would have been absolutely impossible for anybody to predict, in the fullness of time, God caused Christ to come. And you look back and you have all this history of decades and hundreds of years and thousands of years of prophetic words about this person so that there would be no question. When we come up into this day, right? When we come up to where we are today, that's the end of time. And that's where I want to... end our discussion on this about the scrolls. We can be confident in what the future holds based upon God's Word. Right? And as I said earlier in the message that if you don't know what, how this thing's going to end, then you've not been reading the Bible. Because God has revealed where we are. And he's revealed that we're at the end of the end of the end. We've been in the end times for a long time now. But we're at the end of the end times. Preceding the coming of Jesus Christ. The rapture of the church. There's so much. There's so many scriptures that I could give to you that define our day. But I, I want to read just a couple verses, a couple passages to you as before, before we conclude today. Matthew 26, beginning in 36, it says this. But concerning that day, and by the way, Rowan, I thought it was interesting that it was speaking on the day. It was about the scrolls and that you shared a prophecy in the opening this morning. It's one of the prophecies about Jesus Christ, one of the evidences that God's given us. Amen. It says this, Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, talking about the coming of the Lord, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The days of Noah have already happened. We know what they like. We can research it. We can study it. We can know what they're like. It'll be just like that, right? 
And for as in those days before the flood, listen, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. It was just another normal day. The normal things of life were going on. People were eating and drinking. People were still getting married, right? All those things were going on just like normal. And what happened? Until the day Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. How many believe Jesus came the first time? And how many believe He's coming again? Do you under, I, I, want to, I want to point something out to you. We see through a glass darkly. We don't understand everything, even about, even about prophecy. The Old Testament prophets and the people leading up to Christ... They didn't see it all. Much of the Jewish people, much of the population of the Jewish people still do not embrace Jesus as a Messiah because they were expecting a military leader at that point and for him to set up his kingdom right then and there. In fact, at one point in Scripture, the Scripture tells us they tried to force Jesus and make Jesus king, and he headed out of there because it wasn't his time. They didn't understand they didn't understand the fullness of the prophecy. I was, I was reading about a person who God is using and who's really studied prophecy a lot in this day. And, and I think this is a good, clear example here. He said that he shared how that he and his wife who loved the Lord and loved serving God and, and how that from early on it had been prophesied over them that they would be traveling around the world, and they would be doing this particular type of ministry. And somewhere along in their, in their marriage, the wife became sick. And this prophecy was made over this man. Said, he said, you and your wife, you're going to be doing this and whatever. But somewhere along in their marriage, his wife became sick, and so he just, he just believed God. You know, this, this prophecy, it's been confirmed numerous times, and so I, I know you said that to me. I know you told me that me and my wife would be, would be involved in this ministry, that we'd be traveling around the world. And man, lo and behold, his, his wife ends up succumbing to that sickness, that illness, and goes on to be with the Lord. And I mean, he's devastated. Devastated over the loss of his wife. Devastated over the fact, just confused, his faith shaken, because he thought, God, I... I, I knew you told this to me. I, it was confirmed, and I, I knew it. Anybody ever been there? You just knew it, but it didn't work out that way. Sometime later, he remarries. Christian woman, 
and God begins to work in their life and over a period of the next number of years all of a sudden God God elevates them begins to use them and they begin to minister all over the world he thought it was going to be obviously right he was looking through the lens of his of his current wife why would you think anything else right not knowing that God was going to take her early and that there would be a second wife. Now, if you're looking for a second wife, may God have mercy on you. Amen. <laughs> Unless your other first wife's already in heaven. All right, I'll clarify that. But he, he, there's no way to see that. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we just don't understand and the Old Testament didn't understand. They couldn't see. It was like two peaks of a mountain. There was this first peak and the second and they couldn't see that between the first peak, Christ's first coming and his second coming, they couldn't see this period of time. And it all came together. And folks, what we're talking about at Christmas is the first coming of Jesus Christ as he came as a baby, as he came as the Lamb of God to offer himself for the sins of the world. But how many know you and I are looking for a second coming? Right? 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and every, everything done in it will be laid to bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The same God, the same scrolls, the same scriptures that revealed Jesus is also pointing us to be prepared for his second coming. 